Rotarians and guests, uh, you may not know that much of the pioneering work on hepatitis uh, and its treatment has been done in Melbourne and particularly in more recent years at the Burnett and Doherty Institutes. The awareness work has been done by Hepatitis Victoria. As you all know, Rotary's been in involved as a leader in infectious disease control for many years in Polio Now's a long-standing international program and more recently this club has led in the Entracoma and Pacific Immunisation programs. The opportunity exists for us to demonstrate similar leadership in hepatitis control and over the past year there have been some discussions with both Hepatitis Victoria and the Burnett to explore the feasibility of our contributing in some way, both in Victoria and hopefully beyond. It's on the board's agenda. Margaret Hellard is an infectious disease specialist who leads the hepatitis group at the Burnett Institute. She's also an international leader in the World Health Organization, which in 2016 declared a goal of controlling hepatitis globally by 2030 so there's not much time to get it done. Frank Carlos is the president of Hepatitis Victoria, the organisation which promotes hepatitis control here. He's worked in health and community organisations at senior levels for many years, and he's also survived hepatitis. Margaret and Frank are here to tell you about the challenge and how we might contribute to it. And I'd now ask Margaret to lead the presentation and she will then introduce Frank to you. Margaret. Thanks, Peter, and good afternoon. Thank you um, to Melbourne Rotary for the invitation to speak this afternoon about the work that's being done to eliminate viral hepatitis as a public health threat both uh, in Australia and globally, and the work being undertaken by the Burnett. Um, before I start, I'd like to acknowledge um, the Wurundjeri people on whose land we're meeting and pay my respect to elders both past, present and emerging. So the Burnett. By way of background, I'll briefly explain what the, who the Burnett is because a lot of people won't know about the Burnett Institute and then talk more specifically about the work I undertake there and why I think it should be fascinating and you should be interested and in get engaged in this area. First, the Burnett. So the Burnett um, Institute is a medical, independent medical research institute and a non-governmental organisation. We undertake laboratory-based research, public health research and development work. And our mission is to achieve better health for vulnerable communities in Australia and internationally. And we do this by accelerating the translation of discovery research, which we might do or others might do, and then put it into evidence in sustainable health solutions. It's a very practical focus that we take, but with this focus on vulnerable and marginalised groups. Our work is focused on a number of key areas, including viral hepatitis, HIV, malaria, TB, looking at young people in risk, another story that I can happily talk to you about another day, and maternal and child health, and how they impact on the lives of marginalised and vulnerable populations and make it that they have terrible outcomes. So as a deputy director at the Institute, my role is to provide strategic advice and an overview to all of this work that's being taken. But mostly my own work focuses in disease elimination. I'm an infectious diseases physician by initial training and then a public health physician and then a researcher. 
Um, and my particular focus is really on the elimination of HIV, hepatitis C and hepatitis B, and that's what keeps me entertained. So today I'm specifically talking about hepatitis B and hepatitis C, what they are and why should I care and why I think you should care about them and why Rotary should get involved. Globally, with hepatitis C, there are 71, an estimated 71 million people infected. Hepatitis B, 257 million people infected globally. HIV, it's around 36 million. In terms of deaths, it's estimated 400,000 people die every year due to hepatitis C and 700,000 due to hepatitis B. This is a huge number of people and this can be stopped. In Australia, it's estimated that around 170,000 Australians have chronic hepatitis C infection with around 6,000 to 10,000 new cases occurring every year and this can be stopped. There's over 230,000 people thought to be living with hepatitis B and a significant proportion of those people don't know they've got it and will get sick and die from it because of that lack of awareness. So there are deaths due to both of these diseases. Around 600 deaths every, 600 Australians die every year related to hepatitis C and 400 Australians on average die every year related to hepatitis B and these can be stopped. They can be stopped today. So this may say, seem a little gloomy in terms of numbers and overwhelming, but I think it's, that's far from the reality because there are things that we can do. And the reason is because over the next 10 to 15 years, we are in a privileged position to change the course of these diseases in Victoria, in Australia, and globally forever. In medicine, I believe in moments of time. And I've been engaged, been involved in two specific moments of time where I've had the privilege to be involved. The first was in 1996, when with the advent of highly active therapies for the treatment of HIV, all of my patients I looked after in the late 1990s and the early 2000s died. They died of HIV, AIDS-related illnesses. And then I returned, and I remember distinctly returning to my first clinic after I gave birth, I have three children, to my twins in um, 1995, Ben and Kate. And the first patient I saw at that clinic, I had organised for him to be admitted to the hospital and I thought he would die because how ill he was. However, the new HIV medications had just come along in 1996. I remember it to this day. He was commenced on those treatments in hospital. He recovered well, thrived, and I still see him to this day. I no longer look after people with HIV who die from their illness. I look after people from HIV because of this amazing medical breakthrough who stay alive and well and ongoing. That is what you can do with medicine. The second extraordinary breakthrough that I have been involved with is happening right now, right this moment. We have a cure for hepatitis C. And it's really important that people do not underestimate how extraordinary this situation is. We have a chronic infection that requires only the administration of tablets for eight to 12 weeks and you can be cured of this virus, which you previously died from related to liver failure and liver cancer. So this is really unusual and we shouldn't underestimate it. The advent of direct acting antivirals, which we all call DAAs, means that if we work together and develop a clear strategic pathway for Australia and globally, we can contribute to the elimination of hepatitis C as a public health threat by 2030. Similarly, amazing breakthrough happened in the 80s, which I wasn't involved, I wasn't working in that area then, still a student, and that was the vaccine for hepatitis B. If we vaccinate 
babies at birth for hepatitis B, when they get mother-to-child transmission, they will never, ever get infected with hepatitis B, and we can get rid of that disease as well. So there's many, many things that we can do. The enormous progress over the last 10 years or so has meant that the World Health Organisation has decided to set targets to eliminate viral hepatitis B and C as public health threats by 2030. And these aren't airy-fairy. I was privileged to be part of the working group who advised the World Health Organisation on these elimination targets. I was in the meetings where we, it was a small working group of us who discussed what the models looked like, what we had at hand, what were our weapons to use for elimination, and we set the targets. They weren't plucked out of air. They were based on an understanding of the impact of the programs we could undertake to stop transmission, to provide testing, to accurately detect infection, which we can do, and the new treatments that can stop death or stop the virus being transmitted. There are now global targets to reduce new infections by 90% and to stop or reduce deaths by 65% um, by 2030, compared with 2015. Achieving these targets is ambitious and will not happen by chance. We need to scale up testing, we need to scale up treatment, we need to scale up cure. We talk about 90-90-90. 90% of people diagnosed, 90% of people treated, 90% of cured. And this is not pie-in-the-sky stuff. Australia is leading the world in the response to viral hepatitis elimination, and we are currently on track to achieve it, but we need to do more. Globally, it's going to be a little tougher, but we can get there, and we can help the world achieve that. Key to our success, in my view, is to decide right now that we're actually going to do it, that we're going to strive to this, and we're going to have a go at it. And we need to start along the path. Strategies are required for this to happen. Elimination requires a multi-pronged approach. Importantly, we have to engage with the affected populations. In Australia, the vast majority of people infected with hepatitis C have got it from past injecting drug use. But many, way back in the past, also got it from contaminated blood products. Hepatitis B, often people in Australia have it because they were born in an overseas country and got it at birth from their mother-to-child transmission. Other groups at key risk, very vulnerable people, prisoners, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, and gay and bisexual men. To successfully eliminate these infections, we need to engage with these populations. Importantly, we need to reduce the stigma associated with them. It needs to be normalised. We need to talk about it, make people aware about it, so that they go and get the tests that they needed to get the care they needed. We need to increase testing for people at risk. We need to increase high-quality harm reduction, needle and syringe programs, opiate substitution therapy. We need to increase access for all. And we need to make sure that babies get that birth dose vaccine in Australia and in our region. So I would encourage you to think about that with that wonderful program that you're doing in the Pacific, to think about ensuring that birth dose vaccine for hepatitis B maybe gets included in there. It's a really easy win for you guys. As I've said, there are many challenges to achieving these targets, both in Australia and globally. As part of Australia's response, the Burnett is leading a very large national partnership funded by the Paul Ramsey Foundation worth $11.3 million, as well as millions of dollars, six to around $10 million from the National Health and Medical Research Council to aim to eliminate hepatitis C from Australia. Known as the EC Partnership, and Elisa Pedrana, who's in the room, is, is doing all of the, the main heavy lifting of this, it's a partnership involving community organisations such as Hepatitis Victoria, government, other research groups, health services and the private sector. It's working to develop innovative approaches for all Australians to ensure all Australians are aware about hepatitis, can be cured, tested and cured. 
It's going on in every jurisdiction in Australia involving Hepatitis Victoria and its similar affiliates in every state and jurisdiction. So we need to increase the capacity of health systems within the countries to ensure we roll out the birth dose vaccine. As I said, I would commend you to think about that with your program. As I said earlier on, in my view, there are key moments in time when we can make big differences with effort at a particular moment, and that time is now for viral hepatitis. We need all sectors of the community to contribute to this effort. We have the privilege and opportunity to make change happen. We can stop the deaths, we can stop the transmission, and we can do elimination. Our challenge for today, over the next month, over the next year, is to develop, implement, and maintain a clear and coherent strategy. So what can Rotary do as part of this? A key challenge for us at the moment is to raise awareness and reduce stigma associated with viral hepatitis. I don't need to tell Rotarians about the importance of business professional community leaders working together to make the world a better place and have those conversations. That's, that is Rotary, that is what you do. And so I invite all of Rotary and ask the Melbourne Group to be the facilitator of all of Rotary in Victoria and Australia to become partners in the challenge to eliminate viral hepatitis. What specifically can you do? You can get involved, gain knowledge, raise community awareness with that knowledge, speak with knowledge about what needs to be done. Importantly, reduce stigma. Stigma is a major reason why people don't come forward for testing. So in the same way as with mental health, we're trying to reduce the stigma so that there is a conversation. We need to do the same with viral hepatitis. Reduce the stigma so that people come forward. And you can be part of that conversation, be the leaders of that conversation, make sure in every community there is these conversations. So in summary, we need you to become champions to the cause. Overseas, we might need you to support a local club to do so, but we need you to become champions to the cause. It's a huge challenge. This is a really big challenge as we go towards 2030. And we may fail, but I personally don't think we should be ever afraid of doing something because we might fail. As some people in this room already know, one of my mother's favourite quotes, and it's mine now, and I have it on the back of my office door, and I try to keep this attitude in mind, is from Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts. The credit belongs to the one who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he or she should fail, at least fails whilst daring greatly, so that his place will never be with the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Viral hepatitis elimination is not a task for timid souls. We need to be brave, smart, persistent and determined to drive the changes and the response required to achieve elimination in Australia and globally. But I don't think Rotarians are timid souls. I think this is an honourable challenge. It will improve human health and it will save lives. So please think about getting involved because I think Rotary has a huge amount to offer in this response. Again, thank you for the opportunity to talk today. Happy to take questions at the end, but before I do that, I'd like to introduce Frank Carlos, who has, um, as Peter indicated, is the president of Hepatitis Victoria. Peter has, uh, Frank has many things in terms of his work and the like, but most importantly, I think his role in Hepatitis Victoria has done an enormous job of really getting the message out about the importance of the viral hepatitis response. So, Frank, over to you.
Good afternoon. Um, thank you. It's um, great. It's a great privilege to uh, to be here with you this afternoon. Thanks, Margaret. You know, I've, I've listened to Margaret speak on this subject. I don't know how many times I've lost count, but if ever I feel a lack of motivation, if ever I feel a lack of direction, I just reflect back on, on the times that I've heard her speak because each time I feel energised by it uh, and today's no exception. Thank you very much. Um, it's a, um, a pleasure, as I've said, to, to be here uh, this afternoon to uh, launch, I hope, the uh, uh, what will be a very fruitful joint initiative uh, in our battle against viral hepatitis. Uh, I want to thank... Um, um, Peter, uh, Trevor, Alan and, and others who I've come into contact with uh, and I hope that this will be a very successful aspect of your presidency, Mr President. Uh, it's a, it's a great, uh, great honour to be at the start of your presidency. Um, as you know, Hepatitis Victoria uh, is a um, not-for-profit organisation, not government organisation uh, and as has already been said, we've, for, for over 25 years now, we've dedicated ourselves to working with and supporting people who are affected uh, or at risk of viral hepatitis. Over our history, we've um, successfully partnered with many government and non-government organisations. And of course, we've developed and enjoyed, enjoyed a very fruitful relationship with Burnett Institute. Uh, we consider that to be a privilege for ourselves. Uh, we've partnered uh, on many projects and we're very excited now to, um, to be able to, to look at the, the work that lies ahead in our struggle to eliminate um, viral hepatitis and hepatitis C in particular. Um, as you've heard, I've got a long working history with the Victorian Government uh, and in particular within the areas of health and human services. In a number of those roles and particularly when I've worked in rural Victoria, I've uh, had the pleasure of working with Rotary Clubs and so I really, um, I think I've got a really good understanding of the capabilities and the positive roles um, and the positive, positive influences that Rotarians play right throughout uh, Victoria in particular in my experience but I know that it's a, uh, an international organisation. Um, so I'm grateful for the interest that, uh, that has been shown and the support so far. Given my professional background and, and previous work in the community sector, it's probably not surprising that I was, uh, when I retired, I, I was interested in Hepatitis Victoria. Um, but it's probably a little bit beyond that because as, as has already been said, uh, I actually was someone who had Hepatitis C. So that's, that's my personal interest that I need to declare. Um, and I am what uh, we euphemistically call in the, in the sector as a person with lived experience, uh, lived experience of hepatitis C. Of course, um, the affected communities um, with viral hepatitis are very diverse. And it's often dangerous to, um, to generalise. But I want to give you a snapshot of the potential impacts of hepatitis by briefly sharing my own experience with you this afternoon. My family migrated uh, from Spain in 1969 and like all migrants, um, certainly uh, throughout the recent history, um, we, um, we had the relevant health checks, very thorough health checks. 
and we were given a clean bill of health and, um, and able to migrate to this great country. Um, but Hep C wasn't on the radar back in 1969, uh, not in public health, not in any other radar. And uh, in the early 90s, uh, I was very surprised uh, through a routine medical health to be diagnosed with hepatitis C. It came as a great shock, uh, not just to myself, but obviously to my family. Um, my mum and dad in particular were probably in denial for, for quite some time, but we weren't to actually know that there was worse to come because soon after I was diagnosed, my mum was diagnosed and my younger sister was also diagnosed. So it really, um, uh, well, I guess to say that it set the cat amongst the pigeons is, is probably an understatement. Still, um, I was feeling well, I was healthy at the time, and there was, uh, there was no proven treatment at the time for hepatitis C, so it was a case of wait and hope. Actually, I did my best to put it to the back of my mind, to ignore it, but I couldn't do that. I had regular monitoring um, and I attended um, the Alfred Liver Clinic uh, for um, quite a number of years for regular monitoring. And eventually, um, I was told that uh, my health and my, the condition of my liver was deteriorating significantly and that I would need a liver transplant. My liver had become cirrhotic. Um, I was in what they call end-stage liver disease. Now, I'm not going to upset your lunch um, this afternoon by going into the details of what um, end-stage liver disease is like, but let me tell you, it's not pretty. It's not nice. It's not a lot of fun. Around the end of, around 1999, I found that I could no longer get to work. Um, I couldn't drive, I couldn't get up the stairs, I couldn't concentrate. I, um, I just didn't have the stamina to do almost any of the things that we do in everyday life. In fact, I was close to death. And I was very lucky early in 2000 that uh, I was offered the opportunity to have a liver transplant. The road to liver transplantation is not an easy one. It's not the one that you do by choice. Although in Australia we have an excellent track record with um, liver transplants, as well as other transplants, there are also no guarantees. As you can imagine, having a liver transplant isn't an easy process for, for the person who's undergoing it or for their network, for their, their family, their friends. In fact, I would say that it's overwhelmingly scary. Good, healthy livers are not easy to come by. They're not readily available. The waiting list is long and you actually get to learn about lots of people dying on the waiting list. There are many clinical factors that are to be considered before a suitable match is found. In my case, I had a couple of false alarms, times when you're called into hospital, um, when you're going to be transplanted, and a few hours later, um, you're sent home again. Um, 
that's um, extremely difficult to take, but at the same time it makes you aware of the level of care that um, the whole team is taking in making sure that you're going to get the best outcome possible. And I actually had a great outcome. Uh, I was almost immediately returned to good health and I'm forever grateful to my donor and his brave family. Donating your loved one's organs is surely one of the most difficult decisions to be made at a most difficult time. I'm also very grateful uh, for the great skills and care that I received by the liver transplant team at the Austin Hospital. Thanks to them, I, I've had the, um, the great outcome that I enjoy today, the, the great health that I enjoy today. Uh, I was able to return to work and live pretty much a normal life. But one thing that the transplant didn't do, and that is it didn't get rid of hepatitis C. Hepatitis C remained in me. It takes much more than a liver transplant. Indeed, very soon after my transplant, within days, my new liver was under attack and getting seriously damaged by the virus. Hepatitis C does not rest. And for many years, I had to face the terrifying prospect of eventually needing another liver transplant. Fortunately, late in 2015, I gained early compassionate access to the newly developed antiviral drugs that Margaret talked about, and I was very soon and very easily cured of hepatitis C. And you can't imagine how good that felt. My younger sister was also cured of hepatitis C through the use of the same drugs. Unfortunately, the drugs um, were too late for my mum. Um, and she passed away all too early. Today, about 75,000 people with hepatitis C or who had hepatitis C have been cured in a short three years, that the, more or less, that the, the drugs have been available. But it's still estimated that some 600 people are still dying every year in Australia from the effects of hepatitis C. That's almost 12 people per each week. That fatality rate is much higher than it is for HIV, and it's getting up there with the road toll. It's not acceptable, not acceptable to me. Much more needs to be done, particularly when these drugs are available now and they present an easily and accessible and tolerable cure. It's also a worry to me that the rate of people commencing hepatitis C treatment is slowing down. And without further considered efforts, we will not meet the targets that governments have set and that the community has a, is a, has a right and is entitled to expect. In the early days, when an accessible and efficient cure was not available, or even within sight, the message following diagnosis was fairly clear. You can't get rid of it, it's a life sentence, you need to learn to live with it. There wasn't a lot of hope or sympathy and it was heard loudly and clearly by most of the affected communities. Hepatitis B and C have also had a lot of bad press and that's contributed to the development of associated stigma and discrimination. 
and that's the big problem that we face today. Hepatitis B and C are what I call no casserole conditions. Let me explain that. If you get diagnosed with almost any other condition, your family, your friends, your neighbours will likely drop around with a casserole, sympathy and support. When you're diagnosed with hepatitis B and C, you don't want to tell your family, your friends or your neighbours for fear of rejection and blame. So no casserole, no sympathy, no support. To eliminate hepatitis B and C from Australia, we need to turn those attitudes around. We need your help to raise awareness that easy treatment and cure exists now. You no longer have to live with it and consider it a life sentence. We need to make it easy for people to get tested and diagnosed. We need to provide support to individuals and their families to come to terms with it. We need to make it easy for people to get treated and cured. And finally, we need to work to prevent new infections. The time for all of that is now. This will take ongoing strong partnerships and significant resourcing. I'm confident that we have the clinical means and leadership in our health sector to meet those challenges, but we need to continue to work on awareness and to fight stigma and discrimination. So I'm hoping that I can say on that note, welcome to the team, that we're really looking forward to working with you. I'm very grateful for your interest, the interest of Rotary, and your participation in this project. I think that together we'll make a real difference. So I very much look, I very much look forward to working uh, and to your ongoing support. Thank you.